0: Hey everybody, welcome to the first ever Reclamation Society podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jay Shear, and I am the executive director of the Reclamation Society. We are a nonprofit organization that creates films, comic books, and podcasts, all in an effort to explore the concept of truth. There's research that shows that our brains are wired to understand and interpret the world around us through stories. The question we like to ask is what are the stories we love telling us is true It's kind of an important question we love all kinds of stories but are most compelled by geek stories so some of my personal favorites being indiana jones and star wars and batman we also love walking dead and all the other geek stuff out there we're we're fans of of geek stories in general Uh, before i jump into this specific uh podcast i just wanted to mention that we are supported by generous donors and we'd love for you to support us as well It's very easy to do that. Just go to www.reclamationsociety.org and click on the give link. Any amount is greatly appreciated. And for a limited time, if you choose to support us, you can get commissioned art from my co-founder, Nathan Sheck, who is an illustrator. Uh, So make sure you check that out because his art is awesome and he's doing very cool stuff. And you get to ask for something um, that you want to see drawn by him and you get to get it in the mail. How cool is that? So thank you in advance for considering that, and thank you to those who are going to go through and donate. We really appreciate it. On today's podcast, we are talking about The Man of Steel, and yes, we are a little late to that party. That movie is from 2013, um, but obviously there's a lot going on in the DC world with Batman v Superman coming out this year. Um, the extended edition, uh, is, or the ultimate edition, whatever they're calling it, is coming out soon. And these movies actually have quite a bit of depth to them if you dive in, Um, at least when the characters aren't crashing through buildings, there is a lot of depth to be explored. So we wanted to peel back the layers to determine what Zack Snyder is telling us is true about the Man of Steel world and what that means for us as viewers and how we interpret our world. Joining me on today's podcast is George Traxan, who has a Master of Arts in Philosophy and Ethics and a Bachelor of Arts in Comparative Religions, and serves as a professor of philosophy as well as being a lead pastor. Welcome to the Reclamation Society podcast, George. Thanks, Jake. Very, very nice to be here. Uh, We're glad to have you. So I just have to say before we get into the questions that uh, I think the first half of this movie is fantastic from a scale of one to ten. I mean, I don't know how you could start the movie off better than they do. I really love the first part. And then, I mean, there's so many things that Zack Snyder kind of gets right. It's really good. And then all of a sudden the movie kind of dissolves into this sort of um, giant slugfest. But I think when we take a look at what the movie is trying to tell us, when it's trying to reveal truth through storytelling, things get really interesting, um, which sort of brings me to the first question. And that being, um, what does Man of Steel teach us or tell us about uh, spirituality? What is, what is it trying to reveal as truth? And so I thought there was a couple key points here. Um, the biggest one being uh, the question of whether or not Superman is being portrayed as a type of Christ or a Christ-like figure, which is sort of like diving into the deep end. It seems to be so prevalent in this, in this movie. So George, do you want to share some thoughts about as you watch the movie, how that kind of resonated or some examples of where you thought they were trying to draw that comparison?
1: sure I, I think and even a little bit of background snyder himself says that he wanted to include that and thought that he was being faithful to the the historical canonical uh comic book series itself and that series that comic book series actually you, you may know this it was written by two jews and the, there is a sense that he lives or these beings live in a monotheistic, atheistic universe, a created universe where there's a God, even though it doesn't explicitly talk about that God. And he makes his parents, Superman's parents or Clark's parents, are Protestants in the comic book. So you have this, some of these religious parallels already within the tradition and it really, it gets brought up in the film. And you do see this sort of christ-like i wouldn't call it a type of christ but you see a christ-like figure he does things that have parallels to both the old and new testament figures and particularly you see uh, him acting as a christ figure uh, giving himself up uh, sacrificing his life you see certain poses Um, you may recall him floating away from the spaceship being in the sign of a cross essentially so there are a number of these parallels
0: I saw a lot of those, too, even in the beginning where Lara, Jor-El's wife, Superman's mom, says he'll be an outcast. And then Jor-El sort of responds, no, he'll be a god to them. In the Christian tradition, um, Christ uh, is God. So there's a parallel between those, between that kind of thought process. They talk about hope being a symbol for mankind. And then Jor-El even says, like, I have held hope in my hands, referring to um, Superman. Uh, Sort of an interesting comparison there. Tell me a little bit about what you thought about the difference between him being naturally born versus a lot of
1: Krypton's um, current inhabitants, which are sort of harvested. Right. So there's that implication that Zod and the others are harvested given certain gifts and are born into specific roles. It doesn't really say in the movie that he lacks any free will or things like that, like he's like it's a deterministic kind of thing. Um, but he is, Zod and the others are, you might say predestined to, to play certain functions or roles. Whereas Kal'al is, it says in the movie, he was naturally born. And I think, you know, this goes to issues that we're facing today as well of, we're trying to make uh, external wombs that would, um, You know, so we'd be able to birth babies in instances where the women couldn't carry the baby all the way for some reason. But what we don't know is really how this would affect a human being's development and nurture. And we sort of see in this movie that Kalal has this family system uh, that cares for him, that nurtures him. And this may have a great effect on who he is as a being compared to Zod. Though Zod expresses certain aspects of duty uh, to his um, race or to his people. Um, There may be very, very distinct issues with harvesting people rather than having them being naturally born. There may be some very specific things that you can't get by growing people (laughs) The way uh zod and others are portrayed
0: Uh, i think there's 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 sort sort of a a parallel parallel to to, to...
1: superman being a
0: very american superhero and that that has changed in recent years because we've sort of made superman sort of more of a global character but there's this idea that he is sort of the great american hero and we value that free will that choice to do what we want as a culture that's that's a big deal whereas in other cultures i think it's more of a community oriented culture where they're not diving into that and so for us i think sometimes we even as a culture mistake our ability to choose and our spirituality and sort of intermix the intermingle the two at times and i think it is it is a biblical thing to have or there is truth to saying that we have free will i'm not trying to Disparage that, but um, it is an interesting thing that, like, we value that a ton. But I'm wondering if that would still be
1: valued in other countries the same way. I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be more of a sociological question about other countries. But I think you're right. I mean, he's born in Kansas. Uh, The original writers are two Jewish men of the comic book in America trying to fit in, and here you have. Uh, Ka'al being born or being arriving in Kansas and having to adapt to, and you're essentially right, an American culture, um, a Midwest culture, and there is this whole idea of God and liberty and freedom, yet we also see, at least in the movie here, uh, some constraints on what that liberty or, or what that freedom entails Where he has to wrestle with his identity, uh, what he's capable of doing, what he, how he should um, restrain or control uh, all of that, all of his abilities. I mean, sure, he's in one sense an adopted family, in an adopted family, he's in, uh, he's an American, adopted American, and he has all this. He's learning all this power and freedom, but yet at the same time you see these ideas of what is his responsibility to his parents obeying his dad? What is his responsibility to his community? How should he save all the kids on the bus and reveal some of his powers? Um, So this aspect of community can't get away. You can't get away from it even in the movie, even in America. So I think you make some good points there. So uh, we're going to transition into the
0: second question in a minute, but I wanted to pick up on a couple other things that I thought were interesting just in terms of, um, him being a Christ-like figure, he does have, and you talked about identity and we'll get into that more so, um, like you talked about the community aspect in a minute, which I love, but he does sort of have a dual identity as being a son of Krypton, also being part of earth. Um, and I think that the filmmaker is trying to hint again, you said kind of like he's trying, he, he purposely put these things in there. As we know, Jesus Christ being half God, half man is kind of an interesting parallel there. The other thing that I wanted to mention was that Clark, like you said this too, just a second ago, Clark needs to decide how he'll use his power. And so there's this interesting parallel where we see Jesus Christ being tempted by Satan in the Bible. And it's this concept of, are you going to use your powers to kind of save yourself? Or are you going to use, are you going to really be obedient to God and then save mankind? Which is Kind of an interesting mm-hmm. parable, I think. And I'm not sure if that's intentional so much from the from the storyteller's perspective. It just so happens that when you're writing a Christ-like figure, that just tends to be inherent in what you're doing. But I find those things fascinating. Any response to those things?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I think uh, theologians would say that Jesus being the second person of the Trinity, he wasn't half, half God, half man. They would say fully God and fully man uh, so he takes on fully a human nature. Um, whereas I think it's a little bit ambiguous in one sense, just because of the visual aspect. Yes, he's a son of Krypton, but you know, he looks like us, mm. right? Uh, he grows up like us. And so there's this pair, there's this, he may be only different in some degrees, I guess. That's why I almost picture him not so much a type of Christ or Christ-like figure, but maybe more of a, a Moses-type figure, whereas Moses is is born to a Jewish family adopted into this Egyptian uh, way of life. And I kind of see, or it looks like uh, that Ka'al sort of has this issue of, yes, there's two identities in one sense, but he is he's trying to unify them and use them in a what I would say in a virtuous way. It does seem like there there's some implications
0: that um, there's sort of like, as you mentioned, as you talked about um, the harvesting of, of children and the kind of incubation of children as opposed to natural birth. Free, there's some free will and some sort of predestined kind of questions that we come across in spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there is this idea that there's, there are some Christ-like parallels, at least in an attempt. I don't believe that Zack Snyder is a Christ follower. I don't know that. And I can't judge him, but it doesn't appear on the, on the exterior to be that way. So it is interesting to see that some of those parallels being made by someone who isn't necessarily, who does maybe consider it more of a myth,
1: um, as opposed to a, mm-hmm. um, a real way of living life. One comment on that yeah, yeah. Uh, with some of the interviews with Snyder, I, I think he, he says that, you know, he's trying to be faithful, uh, or bring out some of the elements that already are embedded, the religious or spiritual elements that are already embedded within the, the tradition of the comic book itself. Hmm. So I, 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 at least the way I take it is that he's not so much in, importing his view on it, but making, being faithful to the tradition while adding some, uh, important storytelling elements to it, you know, expanding it a little bit more. Um, and, he, and he has done that in a lot of ways in terms of
0: changing some of the way that we would even know Superman get into this later. But obviously, we've never seen Superman kill anybody before. I mean really. And also just the way that they the way that these fights have gone. Um, he's very violent, <laughs> extremely violent. Um, okay, so let's jump into the next question. What does Man of Steel? tell us uh, is true about human beings and their place and the way that they operate within the universe?
1: You know, there's this old philosophical question um, and you you can't think of it temporally, but think of it logically. Does our essence precede our existence or does our existence precede our essence? And what is meant by that is Do we find ourselves existing and then we sort of create who we are freely? Or do we have an essence, a nature to us and we need to uh, live life according to that nature, fulfilling it, uh, uh, leaning into it, developing it fully? And this is where I think uh, the Man of Steel movie leans on the idea that our, our essence precedes our existence. Who he is, essentially, is what he tries to figure out how he's going to exist, how he's going to live. So you don't have this Nietzschean character who exists and he has this will to power and he acts it freely in all different directions. No, Superman feels, feels pulled by an objective morality uh to live out who he is to honor his parents um so we we find ourselves still even in the movie just like the comic books living in a moral universe one that has perhaps a a creator god in it and it's interesting i think you have mentioned this before that the issue of evolution comes up later and sort of this idea that might makes right that evolution wins i think one character says and that would take identity in a very, very different direction. And I thought that that was interesting.
0: Yeah, that's a fascinating part of the movie. So so the character who says that is um, Feyora Ohl, and she is obviously one of Zod's um, henchpersons. Uh, and she does. She says uh, that they were given an evolutionary advantage, and that evolution always wins. And, and that sets up... It sets up a really good, from a storytelling perspective, as writers, what we're looking for is what is going to give these characters their motivations, um, what goals do they have, what needs are they trying to fulfill, and for a character who has, uh, they don't say this specifically about her, but we know this about Zod, that he has been incubated and harvested to be a general. And for a character to have a very, look, it's all just rudimentary um, science. And that means that there is no good or evil. It is survival of the fittest. The strongest must win. That's a very compelling um, value system for a character to operate under. Um, And I think it makes sense because we we see sort of Zod does have some values. He values his keeping his society alive and also valuing living out his identity. And I think we'll dive into that concept a little bit more because you mentioned that as well. But um, this this concept that the we are all just uh, matter and it doesn't matter if matter is created or destroyed so much as the strongest matter must win <laughs> is yeah. a concept to put in front of people. And it also is very interesting that that line comes up from an evil character um, because we don't necessarily, uh, when I hear people talk about, uh, you know, nobody really dives into survival of the fittest, but the only person who comes out as an evolutionist, like a strict evolutionist, obviously there may be more characters that don't express that viewpoint, obviously, but to have them come out and say that and be have them be on the side of destroying the world is a pretty unique thing to do in a movie in, you know, what, I think this is a 2013 movie. So kind of fascinating with that. So let's dive into the concept of identity a little bit more. Um, You know, Clark struggles with his identity. Um, Obviously, Zod has an identity. Talk to me a little bit about those things.
1: Yeah, this is why I say essence precedes existence. Logically speaking, they 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 both have um, meaning and purpose in how they're supposed to fulfill their role. And Zod has a sense that he has a duty. Uh, He's duty bound. To accomplish these things and yeah some of it he he gets selfish he gets hungry with power and control that's true but it starts from that sense of duty I think whereas Clark he has a different he struggles more with what his meaning and purpose is it's not so fixed and static he's on a journey figuring it out and you even see his parents uh, at one point, his dad, his adopted dad says, you know, there was no manual for this. We're, we're working this out as we go along. We're doing the best we can. And so it's, they're all working together to help surf, surface what his true identity is and how it is supposed to play out um, in this world. And for Clark's parents, at least, and Clark is responding to this as he's growing into his Superman character. This is a moral universe, and he has duties in that to his parents, but this whole idea of something more than duty is what what, uh, philosophers call virtue or virtue theory, that he needs to develop a set of virtues that constrain and um, help mold all of these powers that he has. And that's, I, I, I think that's layers. I, I don't think the, the writers may not know any of this philosophically, but they are bringing it up. And uh, there's this issue of if he can grow in moral skill, he will be a better superhero. Does that make sense? And he yeah. and he learns that in part from his adopted father uh, who tries to be an example to him. And uh, his mother too, of course. But we see that relationship with his father coming out a lot.
0: Yeah, and I I love this um, from a storytelling perspective. And this is one of the things that I think that... I think that Zack Snyder, um, just from seeing some of his other work, I haven't seen all of it, but one of the things that he does extremely well is that he dives into uh, the human psyche, especially as it applies to superheroes, which which a lot of good Mm -hmm. writers do when they're writing superheroes. They're not just this like... Um, unattainable sort of, we can't understand them. Like he makes them very human. And one of the ways that he does that is that he, this this concept of our need for identity, right? Like Clark doesn't, he knows he's not like everyone else. He struggles to find his place. Um, he's even afraid of who he might be and afraid to reveal his true self to the world. And even as he's learning about how, he, how to process his powers, he says to his mom, what's wrong with me? And I think that, that that concept of identity is a universal concept, where we are trying as human beings, especially as we especially as we grow up, um, we are fi- trying to find what our identity is, what is our giftedness? Where do we fit in? And I think most of us, um, I won't say all of us, but I think most of us really um, have a hard time identifying what that identity is and how we'll fit. And it's mm-hmm. almost, I almost feel like to a certain extent, a lot of us f- don't ever really feel like we really belong. <laughs> um, for, f- even in, even in you know, phenomenal communities that we have around us, some of us mm-hmm. have those. It, it, is, it can be really hard because you, you automatically have this sort of feeling mm-hmm. of even who I want to be, I can't seem to be that person all, 100% mm-hmm. of the time what is wrong with me it's, it's just such a natural human question i love mm-hmm. that that scene
1: yeah um, one another way perhaps to interpret or nuance in interpreting that statement when he says what's wrong with me i think also shows he's struggling with his that he's different mm-hmm. from the other students from the other kids he's di- even different from his parents and so he's struggling with that difference. And so there's a sense of that he wants to be the same as everyone else. And you mentioned earlier about this idea of an American value. There's this American value of um, individuality and being unique and different from other people and other things and really showing your uniqueness. And here you have him struggling with that difference, that uniqueness and it becomes a problem, it's not a virtue. And he's struggling to fit in and find his place. And that's something his parents are trying to help him to do is with his unique gifts, talents, abilities, how, where does he fit into this world? And so I found that very, very interesting where we, tend to in the West or in America, focus on individuality and uniqueness and being different from other people. Uh, He was struggling with, he wanted to be the same. You know, he didn't want to he didn't want to stand out. And I think that you're, that's a natural thing because people make fun of that in some cases when they don't value what you have and they make fun of it or they fear it. um, That's another issue to reflect on. I think uh, that comes from the movie. I think that there's a, you've hit on this a couple of times.
0: And I think this is a really important, um, aspect of the storytelling is that they are, they have expressed different types of relationships and community. There's this aspect of the relationship between fathers and sons very specifically, because while he does interact with, um, both mothers, they spend more time on the son father relationship. And so, so what is this relation? What is this movie and these storytellers? What are they telling us about the relationship between fathers and
1: sons? I, I guess I could say I don't know their original intention, but what gets highlighted to me is the importance of how we develop. In part comes from the models that we experience around us. Uh, on, on the backstory with Zod, you know, I, he doesn't have parents. We don't, we don't. At least we don't see anything like that. He doesn't have family. Whereas you get this sense with Gaal, with Clark, that he has this, even if it's adopted here on Earth, he has this sense of family, and this sense of family, especially the father is there to be a model of virtue that he is to grow up into. Um, As we grow up as as kids, um, we can't, we don't cognitively, we don't, aren't able to think through all the ethical dilemmas, moral dilemmas that we uh, are confronted with. We just don't have that rational ability yet. So the models that we see are so important because we start, we do things that, the models that we have in our in our life in this case his father we sort of follow after them and we get to we sort of start to pick out which things we value and what's going to help us flourish in life and we see this with clark and his adopted dad he is really picking up on uh, a certain type of character a selflessness um, someone who though he's stoic at times he really really cares about his son uh, I think you have the actual phrase written down, but when they were driving, I think it is. Uh, there's a sense that you're not. My, he says you're, you're not my father or something. He's like, I am your father, and this says something about uh, uh, adoption. And is and even in the Judeo, especially the Christian tradition, when you're adopted into a family, like God adopts us into His family, you're fully, you're full-fledged part of that family, and there's a value you're not a second class citizen in the family because you're adopted. And that that's true in the, in the Christian worldview. And that gets expressed here that because he's adopted, that doesn't mean he's a second class citizen, that he doesn't get the same kind of love. No, he does. And this is a great example for Clark. And I think how he starts to learn, how do I apply this to others? And there's a concept in there that you touched on, which I think
0: is, um, is so good too, is that, family isn't about biology so this is it's it's not like you have to have your genetic father is the only one who can give you skill in how to live life there's multiple people who can do that Mm -hmm. um, in your life and and i think jonathan kent is more of a father to clark than jor-el is yeah so uh and even even martha is certainly more of a mother and that, and that line you mentioned is so good because they, they sit, Clark says, can I keep pretending I'm your son? And Jonathan's response is, you are my son. There, there's So there's this, even as Clark struggles through his own identity, as what does it mean to be a son? I, I love the fact that the the storytellers have, have said that family really isn't about biology. That's a, that's a cool concept that I really like. So let's jump into, um, this is probably something that exists in most superhero uh stories but the importance of selflessness and sacrifice what do you see the the storytellers giving us in that uh, regard
1: yeah again this goes and this comes out a little bit of out of my um my philosophy background you can think of Ethics in three at least objective ethics in three ways. There's um, Like they would call it teleological ethics, but it's what's called Utilitarianism that you should always seek to do the greatest good for the greatest amount of people Mm -hmm. Whereas deontological ethics talks about our, our duties, right and each of those focus on actions whereas virtue ethics and virtue theory focuses more on developing qualities within persons families communities that will help people flourish and in utilitarianism one of the problems with it is when you're seeking to do the greatest good for the greatest amount of people a lot of times what can happen is that individual people become a means to an end in other words they can be dispensed with for this greater good and uh, Superman takes on, a, even though there's some of those elements there, he gets this idea, is modeled to him, of sacrifice and selflessness, uh, certainly from uh, Jor-El, that is part of his backstory, um, but he gets it from his father, too. You may remember his father goes back, when the tornadoes are happening, goes back to rescue the dog, and... Clark wants to go help him. He knows he can go help him. But the, the, fa- John, the father says, puts his arm out and says, no, he's willing to sacrifice himself for the benefit of his son, his wife, and the rest of the community. And so Clark learns some of that selflessness or it's modeled for him, even sacrifice by his father again. And we see that relationship coming up.
0: That's a fantastic scene, too. Okay, so I have, have this interesting question for you. We always expect our heroes to be selfless and self-sacrificing. I think that's sort of an expectation. Like, that's what separates a hero, particularly from a villain, who's sort of selfish and um, sacrifices other people for their own benefit. But I would, I, I could make an argument that despite that, and I think the movie could make this argument too, but despite that, we don't experience people being selfless and self-sacrificing often. Um, It seems that human beings sort of have more of an inherent desire to be selfish. Now, what do you think about that? Respond to that kind of statement.
1: Well, you're asking me a personal question in one sense. I think people would answer that differently depending on their worldview, Um, but from a Jewish or specifically a Christian worldview, you're right. We think that there's something deeply flawed (laughs) within human beings. And we have a bent towards self-preservation and selfishness um, rather than selflessness and love of the other. And so we, we have to battle that. And on the Christian view, we need we believe that we need God's help in order to overcome that, that we can't do it on our own. In the movie, you have Superman being, uh, working towards this idea of sacrifice and being selfless. Um, I find it interesting that he goes to other people for advice and wisdom, but it all must come from within himself. And that sort of portrays him as a person who is basically good and he has to just bring out that goodness in him and i would say that 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 is a bit of a distinction between that and let's say a christian worldview.
0: yeah and i actually i'm glad you brought that up because i don't even have that in my notes at all but it is a common element of storytelling in that as in sophisticated storytelling usually has heroes that while they make good choices are inherently flawed in some way. A more well-rounded character is going to have times when, and I won't even call it right or wrong or good or bad, but they, they act in uh, a self-less way or a selfish ish way, depending on the scenario. And, and we tend to think, okay, well, the good characters those who we ascribe being good to, operate uh, more in a selfless way and less in a selfish way. Uh, But a well-rounded character tends to have both aspects of that. And I think um, that may be one of the things, and and we're getting a little ahead, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, when I say that may be one of the things that as you talk about Clark, he, he, he doesn't really, he doesn't display lots of self-ish behaviors. He's he's mostly being selfless. There's there's one example I can think of in the movie, and this is before he becomes Superman, where he restrains himself from decimating the guy in the bar who pours mm-hmm. the beer over his head. But then he does take the guy's livelihood and completely <laughs> destroy it, right? Because he takes the big semi truck, totally ruins it. So that's the only case where we really see him being sort of more selfish, I believe, and I might be missing one of them. I really like that call out that he, he sort of has this inherent goodness about him and we just don't
1: see him do anything that's more selfish or wrong. Unless, yeah, and this may go back to your very first question. This is where he is being portrayed much more as a a type of Christ uh, figure where he, like Jesus, uh, according to the New Testament, never sinned. Um, he was fully human. He, wrestled, he had to work within the confines of being human, but he didn't sin. And here we have uh, Clark moving into his Superman role, um, more of like that Christ-like figure. I would say in this case. Um, last point here, and then we'll jump to the last to the uh, one of the last questions. But um, I also
0: thought there was one interesting point, and this is again under the heading of how human beings interact with the world around them, or even the universe. That I did feel like the movie was trying to convey a truth, uh, or at least their their uh, perspective on truth. That freedom of choice exists. It's sort of a part of Clark's background, like you had pointed out earlier. He's supposed to choose the right things. He has the ability to choose the right things, and that that freedom of choice is something that we need to protect. So, as Zod comes in and Zod says, "We're gonna, we're just gonna basically take your world and destroy it because we need it, and we'll just create Kryptonians here." Um, mm-hmm. There's there's sort of an implication that because Zod doesn't have Um, choice because he sort of has what his goal is and that's embedded deeply into his persona. Um, We must protect ourselves from people who would take freedom
1: of choice from us.
0: Pick up on that at all.
1: Yeah. And, and this may come out a little bit more in actually the, the comic book version or story. I mean, he lands in Kansas, which of course is a part of America. And you think about it, the inscription on the Liberty Bell comes from Leviticus uh, 25 which says proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof and so it's deeply embedded that God wants people to be free to have a choice (laughs) in life and not be slaves not be controlled in that sense now obviously to respond to God and be a part of his family but here it comes up I would say or as you mentioned, similar, like an American value, or maybe even a human value, that um, if we are are to be free creatures, then we need liberty and we need people to protect that. And Superman is put in a position where he has to, or he chooses to help protect people from Zod and his control and his evil purposes.
0: Cool. Uh, Let's dive into the third question here, which is, What does Man of Steel tell us um, is true about how human beings interact with spirituality, other humans and the world around them? So just as an entree into that, I think that we all seek to understand the world from multiple angles. Um, And two of those that are traditionally used in storytelling are those who try to understand the world from a spiritual perspective and then those who try to understand the world from a scientific perspective. And I'm not trying to uh, suggest that, um, you know, characters or truth is only found in one or in, in one of those uh, camps specifically, but in storytelling, you'll see either far to the spiritual side or far to the scientific side character, just so that they can create more conflict. What do you think about that? How, how are people trying to understand the worlds from these angles?
1: Yeah. I might tweak the, the statement a little bit. I think people probably, just the human experiences, you tend, I'm not sure that we seek always or at least naturally to view things from different angles. I think that's something that has to be trained into us, taught, uh, given example. You know, we have to learn how to empathize with others in that. But you're exactly right. In the movie, uh, people try to have to interpret things from different from a different worldview perspective uh, the one woman after the kids are saved from the bus she says this is a miracle right uh, other people showed their skepticism towards certain claims so they each are trying to interpret the facts or the data from from their worldview perspective and psychologists talk about um, something called control beliefs and these are sort of these deeply held presuppositions uh, in our worldview that will either let certain things in or will block certain things uh, in our worldview and so if you you believe there's a god you believe that miracles can happen you you might interpret this event in this case with superman saving the kids as a miracle whereas uh, a naturalist someone who doesn't believe in any sort of spiritual world or a god is going to have to interpret it from a different perspective you know, this guy just has, gets incredible human strength at really crisis moments and his adrenaline feeds it and he's able to do these amazing feats, but it's not a miracle. I think that the movie
0: also, it does something very interesting uh, that I really liked actually, because I think it's, I think it does reveal truth in how human, how we interpret the world. Um, it seemed to me that jor L was sort of more of the scientific Thought process uh, about how things would work because everything he does is sort of scientific. Even when he appears to Clark posthumously, or appears to Superman after mm-hmm. he's already passed, it's not a it's not like a Obi Wan Kenobi figure in Star Wars where you see him come back as sort of a spiritual being. Right. He actually comes back as an intelligent AI. An artificial intelligence that's able to interact with him. So everything about jor sort of speaks to the world can be interpreted through science. It's just that you may not be able to explain it yet. Contrast that, I think, with Jonathan Kent, so two of Clark's father figures. And Jonathan Kent seems to, while he doesn't ever talk about, and you talked about this being actually more inherent in the comics, but he doesn't ever say like, okay, well, we we believe this or whatever, but he does seem to have a more spiritual bent. So he's, he'll tell Clark things like, you were sent here for a reason, you have a purpose. And that's probably less of a, of a scientific thought than it is sort of a spiritual thought. There is something inherently valuable that we need to... Um, be concerned about. So, what's your response to that? Any any thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm probably not as comfortable as saying that the the contrast are sp- uh, spirituality and science as opposed to spiritual and naturalism, which is a worldview. Because I think people who are spiritual don't have to be anti science they can um, embrace the scientific process and and all of that. So I think it's more of a battle between uh, a, a spiritual monotheistic worldview as opposed to a naturalistic worldview. And I think what's underlying it, at least my understanding of it or my interpretation on this, is we're dealing with in the movie on how we use and what are the purposes of technology? Because <laughs> the, they know that the, the planet is going to die, it's at the core. And he tries to convince, you know, the the the, the panel or the, the court, whatever, and, and they won't listen to him. And their their science, their technology in this case can't save them. But Jarrell's gonna save them through sending his son away to provide hope. And, and once again, you're right. When he comes back, Jarell, he's still trying to save everyone and everything through technology. Whereas Superman is, doesn't, that's not his first bent. He, he does it with his body. He, and and his resident powers. So whether they meant it or not, there's this interplay, I think, between um, how human beings wrestle and deal with technology. And how is it going to control us? Are we going to control it? Do we use it? Is it inherently neutral and um, or will technology shape us in certain directions and make us more immoral or more moral, or can we shape it along the way? So I think there's that underlying story going on there as well. Yeah. And two things
0: I'll respond to that with, cause I, I totally agree. And the, the two things are one, I think it actually sets up this cause this, this happens in the comics all the time that the technology is something that Superman's, you know, kind of arch nemesis, uh, Lex Luthor is sort of how he even is able to combat Superman in the first place is because Mm -hmm. he's able to get these smart, like technological advancements um, and figure out the science behind how he can make Clark weaker. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a really good point. The other point that I really loved is this, because there's a lot of rhetoric today that would tell you, and I might be answering um, I might be relaying some of what I believe to be true as opposed to what I think the movie is telling us, but there is a lot of rhetoric today about the, there's this creation of this, um, what I believe to be a false dichotomy between science and spirituality. You can either have one or the other and you, and you referenced that and you said, well, I wouldn't put it that way. It's really more of, and I think that that's a really accurate sort of. Uh, wise way of viewing that conversation, as opposed to getting into the well, what's real? Is it science or is it spirituality? Uh, the trademark example is what are people talking about on Facebook? <laughs> you know, right. they don't have full perspectives; they just throw out whatever they heard on the latest news report. And I, so, I think that that's
1: very true, and I'm really glad that you brought that up. Well, I'm thinking on the spirituality thing; it doesn't come out in the movie as much as it does in the comic in the comics when. In the movie where Clark, uh, where Superman, he goes and solicits the the priest, you re- may remember, in the church. Um, <laughs> the priest gives a really weak answer on my view. <laughs> Spirituality is kind of mocked there a little bit, I would say, in the, in the movie. But you actually see Superman think of religion and God differently. I, I have this one quote where Superman, in one of the comics, uh, action comic number eight, eight 849 Superman actually thinks this thought he said I would he said I would really rather not turn this issue this thing into a me versus God thing he says I don't like those odds this is about a good if misguided young man who needs to control his actions even if those actions are guided by his beliefs no I have no problem with religion I have a problem with abusing one's power in the name of anything, end quote. Hmm. And so there's this sense that Superman thinks he lives in a monotheistic universe. Uh, He doesn't say much about it and he doesn't want to go against God, but he wants the good to be done, whatever view you're coming from. Okay, so uh, last thing before we kind of transition into um,
0: sharing our own feelings about what in the movie was was actually true. There is this concept that when human beings interact with the world, with with other humans, and even with spirituality, there's this concept that I think is is being communicated as true that fear will cause you to inflict pain um, on others or that you will become inherently more selfish the more that you fear. You'll try to control others. Uh, You may use it to abuse the environment because you need to accomplish something for yourself um, did you see did you see that as sort of a uh, a rudimentary emotional response that causes people to behave that way or did you see it differently
1: I guess the way I understand um, fear and I, I think the movie can bring this out there's this issue of courage and having courage is is one's ability to have the appropriate, or, or best response in light of fear. So, and Superman displays that in that there's always two vices to every virtue, and if the virtue is courage, you, if you uh, let fear control you, you're then you're going to be cowardly, perhaps. Where Superman may, either errs or pushes in a certain direction is, does he ever become the Uh, foolhardy and that's the other vice in in opposition to courage and it seems like with all of his power he starts to realize that he can almost take on any situation in that Um, he may the only thing that he might fear is himself in in one sense of his ability and whether or not he can use it to do the right thing to do the good thing um and that's one thing that at least i picked up in the movie um so before we transition into the last question i think that
0: this needs to be addressed whenever you're talking about this particular film there are two things that that come up in this film that i think bear speaking into even if there's even if it's not necessarily about what truth the music the movie is trying to or the film is trying to convey but two things one this there's this pivotal scene where zod is about to kill this family and then Superman has to decide in that moment. He's sort of put in this this unenviable position of saying, like, "Well, you're either going to have the family die, or you're going to have to kill Zod." What did you think about that? That's that's a pretty controversial thing to bring into the Superman sort of universe, if you
1: will. Tell me what you th- what what aspect you think is controversial there.
0: Yeah, I th- I, well, so I think that the aspect of, of controversy comes from the fact that we have seen Superman portrayed as darker in some comics. And uh, we've, we've seen him kind of, we've even seen him go off the rails in some of the comics and kind of just become crazy. But traditionally speaking, the nature of Superman is he's meant to stand for truth and justice um, and that does it's very similar to batman in that batman saying oh, i'm gonna be gritty i can you know beat people up but i'm never gonna kill them that's not part of my persona mm-hmm. and i think that that that's even more inherent in in superman's worldview. if i were to interpret his worldview, it's sort of like you can't just go around killing people that's not okay and so this this example of putting superman in the position where he's almost got to do it because i think even in uh if i'm not mistaken my memory might be failing me, but in the, in the Superman movies where Christopher Reeve is the, is portraying Superman, mm-hmm. I don't believe he kills Zod in that film. I mean, I, I believe the he eventually just captures him and puts okay. him off into the mirror. Right. So, Oh, right. Yeah. That, that, uh, so what about that? Did that bother you? Did you find it interesting? Did you find it a good uh, kind of way to take Superman as a character or how'd you feel?
1: Yeah. Um, well, since you asked me a personal question on that, it probably shows how we become a little descent desensitized towards this because it probably emotionally didn't bother me much at all
0: <laughs> ah interesting
1: you know um but if i get into the sort of the ethical dilemma of it i think we find here where superman realizes he can't control all outcomes and there are certain outcomes that he can't control. And in this case, Zod is killed. Um, even though I guess we could say, I'd have to go back and look at the scene perfectly, but, um, that's not his intention. So you have different aspects of the, of the one's ethical choices going on. There's that intention. Um, are you doing something for the right reasons and does it produce the right results? And in this case, you know, because Zod is more of an, this evil, more not purely evil, but evil character, we're not as sad that he dies because he's wreaking all this havoc. But that doesn't seem to be Superman's intention. If he, if he could save the situation without killing anybody, it seems like he would, but we realize some of his limitations in that. And that, I think we can identify as humans. Um, look, we can't control all outcomes. Uh, so we we do the the most good that we can in, in a particular situation. And sometimes, at least from the Christian worldview, we have to leave the ultimate outcomes to God in that sense. Yeah,
0: I I, I actually agree with you 100%. I, I've heard that complaint from other people like that. Oh, wow, that was so out of character for him. I actually thought that Zack Snyder and the writers, the storytellers, did a really good job of presenting us with um something that superman really had to struggle through as well Uh, Mm -hmm. so the way that you kind of described it i think is accurate and i didn't have that problem either now the one problem i did have and this is we'll we'll jump into our opinions just shortly here but the one problem i did have and i wanted you to respond to this as well is it did though seem really out of character to me um to see superman just completely demolishing the city with no sort of regard to i mean there had to be Thousands of people dying as these buildings collapse around them. You know. So, how did
1: that hit you? Yeah, it it, it sort of makes it a bit more impersonal uh, at that moment. It, it get it gets the movie into it a bit more sensationalistic or a spectacle. Maybe yeah. there's this amount of spectacle going on, and that's where it loses some of the human connectability to to Superman in that and. It's not shown, you're right, but does he, here's where he moves from being potentially, if I'm getting this right about the movie, from being a virtuous character to to switching almost ethical views and being more of a utilitarian, saying, well, you know, if people gotta die, it's ultimately for the greater good. And that is a different way of thinking about ethics. And the writers, whether they intended it or not, have Superman sort of shifting, sort of ethical worldviews, if you will, at, yeah. at that moment, and that may be a flaw. Uh, you know, you might just need you need to have that spectacle in movies these days. So that's yeah. well, uh, maybe they. That's why they did it. Um, so you don't see that consistency. I think you might be right on that. Whereas you watch something like uh, Lord of the Rings, you you don't. You don't see that break as much from the characters, how Tolkien wrote the characters and how they're portrayed. They don't they don't switch sort of their ethical worldview as much. Um, and that is the problem from the storyteller's standpoint as well. It's just kind of like, well, we just had a giant shift
0: in this character's <laughs> worldview. All right, so let's get into this. The last question we have is just basically, we've kind of exposed some of the things that we felt like the movie was telling us were true. Um, or that we could relate to as truth. But let's let's just share our own opinions on um, whether or not we believe that those things actually are true, or if, or if there's ways that those are either pseudo-truths, half-truths, or we don't even see any truth in them at all. So what is your take? What are some of the things that you would respond to about the movie in that regard?
1: Well, one thing we mentioned was this idea that um, I think li- there's a sense that we have to live according to who we are, who we're created to be. That doesn't mean we're predetermined or we have no free will, but it's, it's living out our meaning and purpose in line with, you know, I would say from a Christian perspective on who God has created us to be. How can we f- fully realize our potential, our ethical potential, our creative potential, our intellectual potential, um, our moral potential, all those, all those different dimensions. And Superman struggles with that, and it it identified well with the human experience, I think, the human uh, condition. And also this idea, and if you want to comment on it, this idea of, I as I mentioned before, technology and how, our, how it will shape us uh, no matter what. So we have to try hard to make sure that we are sort of in control of it how, it, how it's shaping us and how we're using it. And I like the, uh, the connection that they make towards family. Uh, there's probably a lot of intangible moral and spiritual benefit we get from our mothers, our fathers, even being in the womb of our, of our mother. Um, and that's sort of hinted at and portrayed in the film. And it has a lot to do with how we flourish as individual human beings. And one of the things I liked about the movie is it, 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 it I think it pointed towards that, it emphasized that. We, we tend to, I think, think technology is neutral and we, get, we should just, we just get to use it however we want. Uh, I think that's a bad way to view technology. <laughs> Yeah, I'm
0: glad you brought that up because I actually didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that that was some of the truth that the movie was trying to convey because um, because I do think that that is a good thing to be careful of and cautious of. And I also would, would, would agree with you that I think the movie does, the movie's strengths are in how it handles, I think, both Clark's uh, struggle for identity and his relationship with to the community around him. I think that those are really strong points where the film really nails a lot of truth, uh, at least mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. So I, mm-hmm. I really love that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that you would throw
1: in there? I, I still what I liked about the film also is it portrayed that that we live in a moral universe, that there is some there is objective morality. And then you mentioned this later on in the film, Evolution is brought up and it's brought up more on the on the evil side of things, right? Evolution always wins. Well, what does what does that mean that that would make for a very chaotic? Uh, meaningless There's no purpose no ultimate value in the universe and that would be a very very different universe and if the the that one woman that one character if she and, and Zod are think the universe is like that well that's chaotic and, and terrible,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Whereas most of the film tries to portray that we live in this universe that has objective morality. This whole idea of hope, putting faith in people, that is trust into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that, I think, is a, is a positive strength within the film.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the hope as well because I think that I think that the movie does hit upon the truth that we do need hope. And, and they also talk about Clark as being somebody who could save our world. And I do think that we need salvation. The question I have to ask after that, though, is mm. what do we need salvation from? Yeah. And what do we need to put our hope in? And I don't think, uh, this is kind of interesting, but if I, I don't think that the film does an adequate job of going beyond our immediate need for hope uh, in terms of our comfort while we're on earth. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it, I don't, it doesn't convey any sort of truth about what happens to you after you die. Um, the only character right. we see posthumously is Jor-El and he's just an artificial intelligence. So uh, I, I don't know that if, if the, the filmmakers might say, well, the best we can do is leave a legacy That might be and and there's a part of that that's definitely true but i would say if our hope ends or 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 even our our trust in salvation ends at protecting only our comfort while we're on earth um, then i think that there's something there for me personally that i go okay well that doesn't really leave me with much hope because i just have to try and live out my days as nicely as i can until I die, and then that's it. And I think that, so for me personally, I would say, as I look at this movie and I analyze the truth in it, it leaves me really wanting more than what I'm given. Um, And that Mm -hmm. causes me to go, well, what truth exists beyond what it's trying to communicate to me? And obviously, I'm a Christ follower, so I'm going to say always that my hope lies in Jesus Christ. But um, I think the movie kind of just leaves us hanging to
1: a certain degree there yeah, there, that betrays its, I think, naturalistic framework. Gerrell is trying to save his people by e- extending its species, you know, and uh, that Superman will live um, you know on another planet. And I, I think on Superman is their hope against Zod in this particular. Situation if I, I may be missing something But there's not a lot of other things that are dealt with that we need rescuing from as you mentioned I, I Think and this is where it differs a little bit from the comic strip and it's only one movie and you can't do everything uh, I remember one of the comic strips Superman uh, there's this one where this guy flies with Superman and he goes he's carrying him and the guy says, oh, my heart, oh, my soul. And then Superman responds this way. He says, I, I checked your heart with my x-ray vision, uh, Kurt, and it's fine. But your soul is none of my business. And so there's, this sen- there's a sense that Superman gets that he has a purpose on Earth. And a lot of that has to do with saving people's physical lives. But their souls are left to God, left to someone else hmm. to take care of. You know, and so that's that at least is hinted at in the comic strip, even though it's not in the actual movie itself. Right.
0: And that does seem to I like that truth because that truth gets at, look, I can only explain Superman as a concept, as a construct um, and as a storytelling mechanism can only explain so much. Sure. so you're gonna have to not you're gonna have to go beyond this movie if you want to get a full picture of truth that exists mm-hmm. um, and you may have to define that for yourself and wrestle through a lot of things um, but we're not going to be able to tell you that I think that's that's actually a really cool response from him in that in that context
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um, anything else that you wanted to uh,
1: point out um I, I do like this idea you brought you brought it up uh, about struggling with you've brought it up a couple of times of struggling with one's identity um when he said what's wrong with me hmm. uh and just the human struggle of how <laughs> of fitting in not fitting in and what contribution am i going to make those are a lot of good things uh i i wonder how often do we today take the time to reflect on those things we certainly feel them Mm -hmm. and we're big on expressing or having those feelings or posting those feelings but how good do we do at wrestling with them with ourselves talking to ourselves our soul and with trusted others and do we have wise persons in our community that can help us wrestle with those things wisely uh, and help us to flourish in the midst of that. Um, And that could be, in this case, it could be our father, our mother, and that's strong in this film, his relationship with those. Um, But he slowly moves to a sense where he can't trust human beings, but he is going to put a trust and a hope in humanity. And that's where I think it goes off the rails a little bit Whereas I kind of think that humanity as a whole kind of stinks,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: you know, but I'm, I'm called to love individuals and listen to their story and be as wise as I can to know what God is doing with their life and to help them to flourish. So where he kind of punts to loving humanity, I think we're called to love the human being Uh, who that's human created in in God's image. And we need these communities of people that will help us wrestle through these issues and to help us flourish with God. So just some nuances. I I think the movie helps us, if we're willing to, it helps us to think about and wrestle with. Uh, And with
0: that, um,
1: I will, uh, because I think that was a very
0: uh, almost poetic way of putting it. So um, we'll go ahead and close out the podcast thank you George um, for joining me oh my honor yeah it was great to have you fascinating feedback I love the fact that um, we can invite in a, a philosophical type of background into this discussion uh, <laughs> it's so it's so interesting to get different perspectives and different um, people who have, diff- have wisdom in different categories to be able yeah. to begin um, and so I really appreciate you being able to do this and taking the time to do it um yeah, so that's it. That's it for the first Reclamation Society podcast. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Really quick, before we go, I wanted to mention a few things. Um, first, the Reclamation Society will be releasing a Star Wars fan film soon. We're super excited about it, and we'd love for uh, you to watch it. So, it's a film that explores the concept of verbal abuse and bullying and the impact that those things have on our communities. Uh, in this case, it's actually about two sisters. If you're interested in that, be sure to subscribe to our email updates. You can do so at www.reclamationsociety.org. Secondly, uh, please be sure to add your thoughts and any feedback you have on this podcast. Do that either in the comments below or head over to our Facebook page and you can comment there. We love discussions about geek stuff and truth and the intersection of those two things. And we would be glad to hear your opinion. Third, if you can support us financially, we would really appreciate it. Obviously, it's really important for us to get donations so that we can keep doing this stuff. So we really appreciate when people partner with us in that way. Head on over to the website and click on the Give link. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. If you have any problems, just comment and we can figure it out. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, So we'd love for you to subscribe there as well. We're hoping to release more content soon and we don't want you to miss out on that. Special thanks again to George Haraxson for joining us, and thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time to tune in. And the next time you're watching a movie or a television show, remember to stop and ask yourself this question, what is truth? Thanks a lot. See you next time.